Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. And I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Workshop, um, Triple Negative Breast Cancer, Coping with the Fear of Recurrence. And today's program is done in partnership with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, who have really helped to support this program enormously. And you'll be hearing from their um, CEO um, during the program itself, more about the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Today's program is made possible by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and an independent grant from Merck and Company, Inc. And I really want to thank them for their support of today's program. Now, before um, the program begins, I just want to indicate that there are now um, 363 participants on the call today. And you come from all over the United States, from both urban, rural, suburban, and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Canada, China, France, Ghana, India, Spain, and the United Kingdom. So it is a global call as well. And, uh, we are delighted to have all of you on the call today. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Shimoli Barot. And Dr. Barot is Associate Staff, Hematology and Medical Oncology, Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Barot will be addressing triple negative breast cancer in the context of COVID, seasonal flu, and RSV, making informed treatment choices, communicating with the healthcare team about quality of life and lifestyle concerns, and guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, and open notes discussion. It's now my pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Perot. Thank you so much for introducing me, and thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, I will start off with the first topic, which is triple negative breast cancer in the context of COVID, seasonal flu, and RSV. So the cold weather is upon here, at least for those of us in the U.S. and the Canadian region. Um, and so I would like to specifically touch on um, the triple pandemic, as people are calling it. Um, so when it um, comes to COVID and COVID vaccines, all survivors with triple negative breast cancers, um, I always tell people that um, the booster for the COVID vaccine is supposed to be out end of September. So talk to your healthcare provider about the risks and benefits of taking it. Um, it does include protection against the Omicron variant, which um, was the latest variant that was active. It's currently not that active, but it should protect you against other subtypes of the Omicron variant as well. The side effects to expect after the COVID vaccine are similar to the boosters or the vaccines that you've had in the past. Um, so the couple of days of flu-like symptoms. Um, and then when it comes to the seasonal flu vaccine, um, all of us in the months of September and October do take the flu vaccine. Every year it is different and covers the variant that the CDC thinks are most likely to be active during the winter months. Um, so we do recommend the flu vaccine for everyone as well. And then um, there is this new RSV vaccine that is going to come out and um, has been approved by the FDA for anyone who is above the age of 60 and uh, should protect you over five to six months, which should cover the time that the RSV is active. Um, so talk to your healthcare providers about the benefits, safety, and side effects of the vaccines before you take them. Um, and with the holidays approaching, we always tell people to be careful with whenever they're going um, and traveling or are in settings where there are a lot of people, um, masking, social distancing, just try to be careful with the three viruses that are active currently. 
And then um, another point that I love to bring up is that when people take the vaccine, sometimes the lymph nodes under their armpits get enlarged, and that could be related to just the vaccine. And um, I know especially for people who are triple negative breast cancer survivors, that can certainly be alarming. And so just to be aware of that, that should resolve in a few weeks. And if it doesn't, then that's the time to talk to your healthcare provider about it. So that's about the uh, first topic. And then moving on to making informed treatment choices and communicating with your healthcare team about quality of life and lifestyle concerns. So for triple negative breast cancer, we have better treatments each year and we've made tremendous strides in um, uh, how many people we can cure. And on the other hand, that makes it that we have more and more survivors, and uh, we do see the fear of recurrence in more than 50% of the breast cancer survivors. So I always like to tell my patients that what you are feeling is absolutely not unusual, and a lot of women who our survivors go through similar feelings. Um, I've had people describe it as once they get diagnosed, they feel like they're climbing up a hill and just going through one thing after the other. Things go fairly quickly. And then once they're done with treatment, they feel like they're at the top of the peak and they feel happy that the treatment is done. But then they get to the other side of climbing down the peak where um, the worry about the cancer coming back gets real. And um, it's especially worst in the first year, and as time passes on, it gets better for some people, but it may even grow over time. So it becomes very important that you are communicating to your healthcare team about the feelings that you're feeling and how it is affecting your quality of life. We have people who have um, anxiety related to the recurrence, which affects their sleep, they feel like um, it may stop them from doing things that they love to do. Um, some people even describe feelings of guilt associated with, hey, I'm done with my treatment, I beat the cancer, but I still feel guilty that I have all these negative feelings associated with it. A lot of people feel lacking energy and fatigue as they finish their treatments and are on the other side. So it can affect a lot of aspects of your life. Um, a lot of people feel like the people around them may not understand why they are feeling this way despite having beat the cancer. So some people can feel lonely as well. So there's a lot of aspects of your life that could get affected by it. And the other big thing is physical symptoms. So a um, lot of women get worried about symptoms in terms of, should this be something that could be my cancer? And so I always tell people that um, talk to your healthcare providers about it. You know, as you go on living your lives after you finish cancer treatment, there is normal life things that happen, but most normal life things should get better in two to four weeks. So if you're at that time point where things are still not getting better or keep getting worse, that is the time to talk to your healthcare team about, and we can help you navigate what is something that needs additional workup and um, what is something that can just be watched and managed and is not that concerning. So I think it's very, very important that you have a good survivorship program in place. You have access to your medical team. Um, and these days, because of the virtual world, it's been easy to just send messages through the patient portals and easier for us as providers also to do virtual visits, phone calls, and help you walk through the symptoms that you're experiencing. Um, there has been a lot of research going on about cognitive behavioral therapy to help with this as well. So those are some of the resources that we can help you get plugged in to. So um, 
I always encourage people to talk to us about it because the more we know, the more we can help you get the right help that you need to go through this time. And talking about virtual, that brings us to my next topic, which is guidelines for preparing for telehealth and telemedicine appointments, um, including technology, preparing lists of questions, and open notes discussion. So uh, COVID taught us this new thing where everybody has started to get a little more comfortable with the virtual world. Um, so we do a lot of virtual visits. We do a lot of phone calls. And technology has just brought us all closer together, just like this cancer care workshop that we're doing. Um, so when it comes to technology, just be open with your team about what you are comfortable with using. We have a lot of people who prefer phone calls, a lot of people who do like to see their providers in person and do virtual visits. So just um, let us know what is more comfortable with you, and we work around it. And then when it comes to talking to your healthcare providers for follow-up visits, if it is happening virtually, um, we always encourage people to have a list of questions for us, because in that time, sometimes you have so many things to talk about that you might miss a few things. So just make sure that you're going through the list of questions that you have for your provider and have a very open discussion about the things that have been going on in your life and have been affecting you because I'm there is so much um, research and help that is available out there that I am uh, sure we can guide you and point you in the right direction. Um, and with that, I would like to end my topics. And um, I'm happy to take any questions when we get to the question and answer section. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Parath. That was really outstanding. And you really did help to set the stage for today's program, really. Um, so thank you very much for doing that as well. So we have a context here. And I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A. So thank you so much. And our next speaker is Dr. Julia Rowland. Dr. Rowland is Senior Strategic Advisor, Smith Center for Healing and the Arts in Washington, D.C. And Dr. Rowland will be addressing fear of recurrence, concerns that cancer may come back, events that may trigger fear of recurrence, and making informed treatment choices, including follow-up care with your oncologist and primary care doctor. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Rowland. Thank you, Carolyn, for that lovely introduction. I'd like to add my welcome to that of Dr. Mesner's to all those on the call today, and also to express to Dr. Mesner's special thanks for the invitation to be part of this particular workshop. So fear of recurrence, worry that cancer may come back, is arguably the most common long-term effect of living with a history of cancer. Curiously, it is not the most frequently studied leaving many to wonder, how do you manage this anxiety? But we have learned quite a bit of information so far, much of it from breast cancer survivors. What we have learned is that most prevalent is fear in women. We're not quite sure why this might be the case. It may be because they are more willing to talk about their feelings, more in touch with what's going on for them than their male counterparts. But that's one of the patterns we see we also see more concern among younger women, likely because they have much more lifespan or life ahead of them to worry about the cancer possibly coming back. Fear tends to diminish over time, although studies here are lacking in rigor. They're not as strong as they could be following longitudinal or groups of people over time repetitively. And for many, fear may never go away. But most importantly, the take home here is that fear can be effectively managed, and we hope that you will learn techniques to do that today. There are, we know, three sets of factors that contribute to fear of occurrence. The first among these are medical. So the type of cancer, triple negative breast cancer, relative to other kinds of breast cancers, many women fear because it's doesn't respond to some different treatment modalities that are commonly used for breast cancer, puts them at higher risk, 
And there it's really important, as you heard Dr. Barat say, to have these conversations with your physician about actual risk. Treatment may affect it too, so as women develop more side effects or have more lingering effects of their treatment, they may worry more if they compare themselves to women who have fewer of these. What's important to keep in mind is everybody is individual and unique in her response to treatment. If you're worried about a lingering effect, again, talking to your healthcare provider is very important. Certainly a prior history of recurrence or an earlier cancer is going to set the stage for someone worrying more when they develop new disease. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, women really depend on what their doctors say. So if you're worried about what your doctor has told you, it's important to go back and ask questions. What did your doctor really mean? What is your true risk? Because many women we know have personal beliefs, which is the next set of categories, or in other words, characteristics that contribute to fear of recurrences, your own adaptation, what you bring to this. Many women have much more concern about risk than their actual risk may be. So having that dialogue is very important. Certainly past experience, as I've said, if you've had cancer before, you may look to that to say, gee, I've gotten cancer again. But for many women, they've not had that history, but they may look to others who've had similar disease and recurred and then worry about themselves, or if this is a pattern in family, that might increase their worry. And your own emotional state will contribute. When we're anxious, we worry about everything. And for women who've had breast cancer, breast cancer is going to rise to the top there, and that'll be part of their worries. We also know that across the life stage, if you develop breast cancer when you're very young, it's very different when you're 25 than if you're told you have breast cancer at 75. So developmental stage and where we are in our life course also contributes to whether we're going to worry more or possibly less about a recurrence. And then finally, there are the social contexts within which this occurs. What the patient sees around her or hears or reads, we live in a world of social media. It's hard not to read newspaper articles, see reports on television, see it in your social media about other women who've had this disease and maybe aren't doing as well and what's going on. And those can be very upsetting and make you very anxious. Similarly, the response of family, friends, coworkers, and the society at large can make a person more anxious about their cancer coming back. We're lucky in some ways because cancer is, quote, unquote, out of the closet. We talk about it, especially breast cancer, because so many women have been real advocates for us to put this on the table so that women know about the disease, can take best care of themselves, so we don't see the kind of stigma we used to 30 years ago when we used to talk about the big C when someone had cancer. While we often think of fear of recurrence as something that affects individuals only after treatment ends, worry about this can actually start from the moment of diagnosis. At diagnosis, an individual and her family may worry, will the treatment work? What if it doesn't and the cancer comes back? Then what? How will I ever know if I'm cured? So we see these sort of threads of worry right from the outset. And during treatment, there may be issues that trigger anxiety. Change in treatment, even if this is appropriate and was anticipated, changing dosing or scheduling of dosing or medications that are received, different from what was outlined at the beginning, again, while justified, may cause anxiety. Change in physical state, you become more tired. Many women report they came into illness this disease, this diagnosis, feeling very well, done to find themselves battling a life-threatening illness and across the course of care feel that their physical well-being is declining, which can cause worry. Interestingly, occurrence of unexpected side effects can also increase alarm. So if you were to read that small print in your chemotherapy consent form, it may have said you could develop shingles, but because this isn't like hair loss or fatigue or nausea or vomiting and pain that somebody told you about, just because you develop shingles may be a trigger to anxiety. Or even lack of an expected side effect. I had one patient tell me all of her hair didn't fall out, and it made her very nervous that somehow the treatment wasn't working. 
And then finally, anticipation of ending treatment. Many women are taken by surprise that finishing treatment can be stressful, and there's good reason for that. First is the fear that the cancer will return now that treatment has stopped. That anxiety that was put to rest during active treatment may come flooding back in to say, what happens now? I'm not taking something that could keep it from coming back, which other women with breast cancer who have hormonally responsive cancers may be able to do. What happens to me? There's also concern about that close monitoring by your team where visits are now stretched out and you worry, well, if something comes up, who's going to answer my questions? Which is a great question to take back to your team and say, who can I call if I'm anxious or I'm worried about what's happening? And what should I be monitoring for in this otherwise supportive environment? Then, as I mentioned, there's that sense of diminished well-being. You're feeling worse than when you started this. So that doesn't help you be less anxious. And there are the social demands of what we call re-entry. Family and friends want you to be who you were before. And the reality is you are different. But most importantly, you need time to recover. So one way to think about this is go back from the very first symptom you had, track up all the days and weeks and possibly months that's been since you originally diagnosed, and then use that to estimate how much time, if that's three, six months, that you'll need to get back to where you were before, feeling comfortable in yourself and thinking positively about your future. It takes time, and you need to give yourself time, and those around you need to recognize that time. Finally, there are the triggers to anxiety post-treatment. Those routine follow-up visits and tests may not feel so routine. Anticipation of coming in for follow-up can jump up people's worries about cancer. Very typical response. But if you're worrying three months in advance, you need to talk to somebody. If it's a week in advance, 10 days in advance, that's normal. You've got to expect yourself to have some anxiety. Anniversary dates, the day you were diagnosed or the date something important happened during the course of your treatment. Certainly any worrisome or suspicious symptoms will trigger anxiety and change in your health. Let's say you develop flu. You may feel that that's going to trigger your cancer's return. Illness in a family member is a trigger, as is death of a fellow traveler. Someone that's very prominent who may have died of a similar disease can cause you to worry about your own health. Certainly we get anxious about everything in times of stress. So learning to manage your stress, as I hope you'll hear a little bit about today, is important. And then what I call idiosyncratic triggers. Maybe there was some ritual you did every time you went for treatment, and now when you go back for your follow-up visits, that actually makes you feel worse. So things to be mindful of. All of these things, knowing the contributors and triggers to worry, helps in regaining a sense of control. But that is just half the challenge. The next is having an action plan for dealing with these emotions when they arise. Talking with your physician how to set that up is part of that. Knowing what you're going to do, having an action plan after treatment is a very steadying thing to be able to be able to hang on to. And also for that, I'm going to return the conversation back to Dr. Mesner to, to introduce our next speaker who's going to go into depth about some of the coping you can use to manage your fear of recurrence. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Rowland. That was an outstanding presentation, as always, and just really um, addressing so many of the concerns that people have and fears that people have. And now we are going to have our next speaker who will be addressing issues around. I'm going to introduce Dr. Karen Hurley. Dr. Hurley is a psychologist, hereditary cancer risk, clinical member, cancer prevention control and population research program. Case Comprehensive Cancer Center Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Hurley will be addressing tips for coping with the fear of recurrence, balancing reality with stress management tips, using mind-body techniques to cope with fear of recurrence, and how to select the mind-body techniques that are best for you. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my very esteemed colleague, Dr. Hurley. Thank you so much, and it very much likewise is uh, my privilege and pleasure to be part of this um, expert panel um, and to be uh, asked to return to speak on this topic. Um, 
So as we've been hearing, there are actually a number of reasons that we need a mind-body approach to dealing with fear of recurrence. I actually prefer to use the expression body-mind rather than mind-body because we're used to thinking of uh, mind over matter, mind over body, or even sometimes mind over mind, expecting that we should be able to control our thoughts. Um, But rather, I want to suggest a different approach is that we think of um, the body-mind approach as rebuilding the relationship between uh, body and mind that may have been affected during the journey from diagnosis to treatment. There are several specific challenges you may have experienced along the way that affect uh, your ability to um, interpret your body's signals and to know when to seek help. For example, when you were first having symptoms, you may have uh, been told things like, it's probably nothing or you're probably fine um, when something didn't turn out to be nothing, it did turn out to be something. Sometimes people will actually go through um, an extended period of going to a number of providers. We actually have an expression for this called the diagnostic odyssey um, so that being able to tune into your symptoms and explain them to someone um, but not necessarily have them taken seriously. This happens especially for our younger patients who sometimes are given the impression that they're too young to be diagnosed with a cancer, um, that this then affects your ability to accept reassurance from your doctor, and it affects your ability to be able to tell yourself when do you need to go to the doctor and, um, and when you can kind of ride things out so um, so if we think of it as a, a way of rebuilding your relationship, um, so this, these are some of the reasons this, you know, trying to learn to accept reassurance is why getting advice such as, well, just put it out of your head or you're worrying too much doesn't really work because if it were that easy, um, we already would have done it, right? So what I want to suggest now is, um, you know, a, a multi-layer approach to uh, tackling this issue of learning to live with symptoms, and you know, your and uh, your body signals may have changed over time with post-treatment effects. So uh, number one. Um, learning to uh, trust, again, your decisions uh, about uh, when to go to the doctor and when not. Another thing I wanted to talk about is when you are going to the doctor or maybe getting a um, a follow-up test is to be able to use what I like to call emotional first aid uh, techniques that help interrupt a negative thought process uh, that then allow you to reorient yourself. Um, the first of these um, first aid techniques um, I call the breath brush. Um, so it's a breathing technique, but instead of deep breathing that you might have been taught, uh, what you do is you take a normal breath, but imagine that it can travel inwards and it finds its way to any place where you're experiencing tension or some physical manifestation of anxiety and let the breath brush over that area very lightly like you were stroking it gently as if with a feather or the way that you might touch a baby's forehead. The second one is what I call color naming. So uh, what you would do, you can do this right now, is look around the room and name three things that you see that are blue. One, two, three. Then name three more things that are not red. So for example, a blackboard, I see a green frame, and I see a yellow sweater. This acts as a way to move um, your attention out of those anxiety centers that are in there firing away and up into the areas of the brain that do executive functions of organizing, and that can have a calming effect. 
Um, so these are these are things you can do at a circus level to interrupt the thoughts, but that's only part of the process, which is why I call it first aid. The deeper level is to understand that uh, thoughts about, of fear of recurrence and negative thoughts that are difficult to push out of our minds don't come from nowhere. They reflect something that's going on internally that needs some more direct attention. Uh, in the case of uh, triple negative cancer, what may have happened is that your ideas about um, uh, physical safety, for example, you may have been very fit before your diagnosis and then uh, get cancer anyway. So that disrupts feelings of what's fair or what can I be doing to protect myself. Um, another one is that your your uh, thoughts about the future may have been shaken up. Uh, so if you have you have life plans about uh, career, education, building family, travel, uh, activities that you like to do um, that have then been disrupted or delayed due to a cancer diagnosis and treatment, how do you trust your future again? knowing how easy it is now to get knocked off track. So that's the true processing task that happens and is one of the real engines of fear of recurrence is this vulnerability that we all face um, of how um, life can essentially turn on a dime. So going into that deeper level, what can we do to restore a sense of trust in the future, a trusting our ability to engage meaningfully in life again, emerging out of treatment. So one way to put one place to put your attention is to think about we all have three basic uh, personality needs, and this comes out of a theory called self-determination theory. We need to feel confident that we have abilities that give us confidence in what we can do. We need to feel autonomous, that we can make meaningful choices, and we need to feel connected to others. Cancer affects all three of those, knocking us off track, um, making things that we normally do easily, making them harder, and sometimes isolating us from other people. So one thing that you can do to start to process is to think about how did your cancer and treatment affect you in each of these areas and then start thinking about what are ways in which you can take one next step towards restoring these. Now, um, cancer recovery being a long process, you may not jump right back to the ways that you used to enact all three of these um, qualities, feeling competent, autonomous, and connected to other people. And this is where you would be starting to explore what that might look like now, given the body that you have now, given the support system you have now. Um, and then start thinking about what are a couple of meaningful activities that are currently within reach and doing those, things that give you a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, and it's not so much of you know some grand sense of purpose, but some immediate sense of feeling connected and using your individual qualities. And once your attention starts going to this, it starts to matter a little bit less about recurrence. You've got something that you are building towards again, rather than worrying about trying to prevent something that you know you have a lot of control over in the sense of staying close with your doctors and following good health practices. But there is that little bit of the X factor, and that's the other thing that contributes to fear of recurrence is a an, uh, an renewed awareness of uncertainty in life and that there are limits to our control. So being able to focus on what you can do, what gives you a sense of meaning and connection, and, and keeping your focus more there will allow the fears to uh, fade to the background where they can be 
more readily addressed. Um, I want to close by using an analogy. If you think about if you're going on a, um, you know, a, a trip of a lifetime, you're going to a, a destination and uh, you're, you're going to have a certain amount of time to be there, and you want to plan your trip so that you really get a sense of what it was like, you know, uh, really enjoy the nature or the food or the culture or the activities that are available there so that the time you spent there uh, was maximized. So what you can do in the present right now is to treat your life as that destination. And by putting, again, by putting your focus there, what do you want to do with this time? We don't have to worry so much about, you know, how much time it's going to be or what's going to happen later it puts you more fully and vividly in your present. So um, uh, these uh, sort of deeper level analytic techniques are designed to provide not just distraction, but new direction emerging out of cancer diagnosis and treatment. Thank you very much for your attention. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Hurley. That was a wonderful presentation, really outstanding, and I think people have lots they've taken away, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well. Um, thank you. And our next speaker is Miss um, Haley Dinneman, who is an attorney, and she's co-founder and executive director of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. And Ms. Dinneman will be addressing Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's free programs. She'll mention their helpline as well, the TNBC helpline, and also their website. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Dinneman, who also was really instrumental in, I think we offered, I think, eight um, programs um, this fall on triple negative breast cancer, found triple negative breast cancer, and they were all supported by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, Ms. Dinneman, please. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. Uh, thank you also to my colleagues for the excellent presentations and, of course, to all of you listening today. Today's teleconference is one of many programs offered by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. All of our programming is specifically designed to address the needs of the triple negative community, from patients to survivors to caregivers and their loved ones. Fear of recurrence is a huge factor in our community, and we try to address it in many of our programs, including this one. But today, I'd like to highlight a few of our other offerings as well. First, we have many TNBC-specific educational brochures and fact sheets that are available in print or also as free downloads from our website. Like all of our educational materials, these brochures have special sections addressing issues like fear of recurrence that are important to you. These materials also address topics of particular interest to certain members of our TNVC community, including black women, those with BRCA mutations, those with early stage diagnoses, and those with metastatic disease. We really try hard to make sure that every member of our TNVC community can find relevant information and practical guidance in all of these materials, so I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Our website, tnvcfoundation.org, offers two free and TNBC-specific clinical trials matching services. Um, they are told, we are told they are much easier to navigate than other portals. Our website also has a TNBC news section and a favorite of our community are online discussion forums and private TNBC Foundation Facebook groups. These groups allow you to easily connect with thousands of women who are living with triple negative breast cancer any time of the day or night. Our community members use these forums and private Facebook groups to ask questions about treatment, about how to manage side effects, how to live your best life after treatment. But most importantly, our online forums and groups offer consistent support. You can even join them anonymously if you prefer. And these resources are here to help you and to remind you that you're not alone. While the TNVC Foundation normally makes every effort to meet with you in person, the past few years have forced us to make some adjustments for everyone's safety. But even though these challenges have you know, been difficult, they've also given way to some amazing new virtual programs. We have three regularly scheduled online Zoom meetups for our community, Metastatic Mondays, Tuesdays with TNVC Friends, and Thriver Thursdays. 
Our Zoom meetups offer incredible support to so many women who join us monthly to connect, to share their experiences, and to build friendships. You can sign up for any of our meetups on tnbcfoundation.org. The information is right on our homepage, and the next Thriver Thursday meetup is taking place September 28th. It's also not too early to register for our October meetups. Uh, The next Tuesday with TNBC Friends is on October 3rd, and the next Metastatic Monday meetup is on October 9th. Also, this October, we invite you to a new program called Breathe With Us, uh, where we offer a selection of free virtual programs designed to bring you some calm and tranquility during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We have everything from yoga, meditation, and Reiki classes, to a writing workshop, and even an art art therapy (coughs) workshop. We're also planning our third annual virtual 5K for October, as well as a variety of programs surrounding the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, which takes place in December. For those of you who won't be attending the symposium in person this December, we'll be taking you along with us virtually so you can learn about new and emerging TNBC research. It's going to be a great experience. It always is, and I hope you will be able to join us. If you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website, you'll get regular updates and be able to register for these and all of our other upcoming programs. In the meantime, uh, we look forward to connecting with you on social media, by phone, or online at tnbcfoundation.org. So once again, thank you for joining us, and I'll now turn the program back to Dr. Messner. Thank you so much, Ms. Zinneman. That was a wonderful presentation about the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's free programs, Um, and uh, please do take advantage of them. It's a wonderful resource. It's such a unique resource for all of you. And our next speaker is uh, Ms. Samantha Fortune. Ms. Fortune is an oncology social worker, and she's our Women's Cancer Program Coordinator at Cancer Care. And Ms. Fortune will be addressing Cancer Care's free programs and services, the TNBC helpline, our HOPE line, and um, the website as well. So I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Fortune. Thank you, Dr. Messner. As mentioned, my name is Sam Fortune, and I am the Women's Cancer um, Program Coordinator as well as an oncology social worker at Cancer Care. My role includes work with both women diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and their families, as well as developing programs and initiatives for our Women's Cancer Department. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered together to ensure that those diagnosed with TMBC have access to free psychosocial services and support. There are many aspects of a breast cancer diagnosis that can be addressed through psychosocial supportive services, including making informed treatment decisions, quality of life concerns, clinical trial, fertility options, and communications with one's medical team. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation has also generously funded the TNBC helpline, which provides caller with access to our comprehensive services. Some of these comprehensive services include um, which um, both Cancer Care and the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation um, provide include resource navigation services, counseling, education workshops, like this one today, publications, and limited financial assistance. Um, By calling the TMBC helpline, individuals are connected to an oncology social worker who is aware of the physical, emotional, and practical challenges that may arise when diagnosed with TMBC. Individuals diagnosed with TMBC breast cancer may choose to supplement existing social networks by joining either like a support group or engaging in counseling. Many hospitals, treatment centers, and nonprofit organizations offer supportive services as well. Joining a support group in particular can offer the chance for TMBC patients to speak with one another, gather information, and provide support. Cancer Care offers TNBC Pacific National Online Support Groups, which are moderated by our oncology social worker. We also offer um, post-treatment support groups for those who are in the midst or almost done with treatment as well. Um, Such online support groups aim to reduce feelings of loneliness and anxiety, explore new ways of coping, increase feelings of hope and empowerment, provide practical information about treatment and resources, and adjust ways to communicate with your medical team and your loved ones. You can register for one of our online support groups through cancercare.org by selecting our services, then support groups. Individuals may also experience practical and financial concerns throughout their treatment and even after their treatment. Please know that if you're encountering such financial hardships, there are organizations that may be helpful 
helpful to you. Cancer Care's Resource Navigation Services offers a short-term strength-based approach service to patients and caregivers affected by cancer nationally. A trained specialist will work with the client in connecting them to resources, referrals, and financial assistance. If you're interested in learning more about the services um, that we offer both at the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care, I encourage you to call the TMBC helpline at 877-880-8622. Our oncology social workers can share any additional information about our services and can also help you navigate and explore ways to connect with others through our support group and through our financial assistance resources. Thank you so much for having me being part of this workshop today. I will turn your attention now back to Dr. Messner. Thank you so much, um, Ms. Fortune. That was an excellent presentation. Just wonderful. Um, um, <clears throat> these are wonderful resources that we would encourage all of you to access. And now we're going to bring all of our speakers on board, and we're going to take as many of your questions as possible. So um, and some of you already posted questions, so I'm going to ask Rob, to explain to you how to queue up for questions, and again, I'm going to try to get as many of your questions as possible. Rob? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will take questions from the web only. You may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. And we have a question um, for Dr. Barot. Um, so, uh, how often should I be getting screenings for recurrence? My oncologist recommended an annual mammogram. But almost everyone else I've talked to gets an MRI and mammogram annually, but trading off every six months between the two. Uh, Dr. Barot, could you address this question? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, so for anyone who has had a surgery where they have had a lumpectomy or a mastectomy on one side where there is breast tissue left over, we do recommend that you get annual mammograms so once a year mammograms for any breast tissue left. And then for women who are younger and who have dense breasts and the mammogram specifically notes that the breasts are dense enough for them to not pick up smaller abnormalities, or if your breast cancer was initially hard to find on the mammogram and the MRI gave a better image of the cancer, those are the people where we do recommend that you add in an MRI. Um, that is also recommended once a year, so we usually try to do it every six months. Um, so you get a mammogram, six months later you get an MRI, and then you go back to your mammogram in another six months. So this is a conversation to have with your healthcare provider in for who, uh, which patient, would it be helpful to add in the MRI? But a mammogram is definitely recommended. Thank you. And another question Dr. wrote, I'm curious to understand what vaccines have to do with coping with a TNBC or fear of TNBC recurrence. Correct. Um, I feel that we are, you know, as we enter into the survivorship mode of triple negative breast cancer, um, people do worry about um, sometimes if vaccines or any side effects from it may trigger certain symptoms that may make them worried or just about generally taking care of your health. Um, so as you enter into your survivorship, um, it becomes important to take care of other aspects of your life as well. And then the other uh, question that does come up is, um, if your immune system gets weaker because you've had so many treatments for triple negative breast cancer, and if you are at a higher risk of getting these infections as compared to someone um, who has not had these treatments. So these are the discussions we have in terms of um, if it is safe or if it is beneficial um, to get the vaccines, and if do we have strong recommendations one way or the other for our triple negative breast cancer survivors. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that helps. And um, um, another question, this question is for um, Dr. Rowland. Do you have any advice on dealing with scan anxiety? That's a great question. So scan anxiety is probably another one of the more common experiences that people have after cancer, and it goes with that. Those follow-up tests and visits are very anxiety-producing until you're the other side of those and you have the results back. 
Uh, again, I think some of the tips that you heard Dr. Curley talk about are really helpful. And for your own sort of personal sense of, you know, is this too much anxiety or is this about what to expect, if you're worrying weeks in advance of an anticipated test, then that's something we ought to look into. And you ought to find somebody to talk to about how are you going to manage that anxiety, what other techniques would work. If it's just, you know, you're having this a few days before, it's kind of part of the course. You've got to find some way to be comfortable with that that allows you still to go get that test um, and, and, you know, wait for the results. I will make one note here because a lot of women are now pointing out that results come up in their ER, ER, um, you know, electronic form before they've seen their clinicians, and that can be anxiety-producing. That's something to monitor for yourself, but also to talk to your clinician about, because it can precipitate anxiety for women when they don't understand what they're reading. And uh, another question for you, Dr. Rowland. When do we start counting down, from beginning of treatment or at the end of treatment? Great question. So my advice about recovery, how do you calculate time to recover, you, you take the time from initial diagnosis to the last treatment, so let's say that was six months, and you project that forward for your last day of treatment, think six months into the future, to be feeling really you know, back to yourself and well with all the parameters and things, again, that Dr. Hurley so nicely covered is finding your new normal, finding your new comfort with your body, finding some way to make your way forward and having that feel full and rich and meaningful for you. If you recover faster than that, fantastic. But what we see often is people coming back at their three-month visit saying, why am I not back to my 100% that I was before and feeling that maybe something is wrong with them because they're taking too much time to recover. They're not bouncing back. So that's kind of a rule of thumb that I've found is very helpful. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and um, thank you so much. And Dr. Hurley, a question for you. Would it be possible for you to email a handout for the mind-body techniques you shared? Um, we would then be able to actually send it to all of the participants on this program. Is that something? Oh, um, sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> um, and did you want to add anything to it that... Um, Oh, how, how valuable these are, these mind-body techniques, really. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, because I realize that some of the, um, you know, the, the, the way that I approach this is a little bit different than people may be used to in terms of, you know, instead of, uh, you know, the cognitive behavioral technique is to work directly on the thought and sort of work on ways in which does is this thought distorted or is this thought um, uh, illogical in some way? And and for me, you know, uh, where the uh, by addressing where the thought comes from, that's what creates the distortion. So um, you know, instead of uh, working on the end product, we're actually working on um, you know where uh, how to kind of regrow or maybe grow in a new way the ability to generate thoughts that help you um, live with um, vulnerability and uncertainty um, without having them be overwhelming. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, and um, Dr. Hurley will email to me um, and our team, the education team, and then we will get this out to all of you um, on SurveyMonkey. Um, the, um, mm -hmm. the, but um, the information that you've requested, that would be great. That would certainly be very helpful to everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, for um, Ms. Fortune, what is the difference between the helpline and the helpline? So they're both um, one and the same. So basically, um, through cancer care, we have a hope line, um, which is helping the national, which helps nationally and helps with all different types of cancer diagnosis. And then there's a TMBC helpline, which we also answer. And this is mainly for um, women who are going through triple negative breast cancer. Um, and that line, that line lets us know that we can offer additional services from the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and so these are great resources for everybody. And also, at the end of the program, you will be getting um, a whole bunch of resources um, in, from SurveyMonkey, and we'll include um, all these, anything that we've been mentioning during the program as well. Um, so here's a question for Dr. Barot. My oncologist recommends 
mammograms and ultrasounds once a year. I am three years post-diagnosis. Should I have MRI in place of ultrasound or both? So um, that depends on your age. So if you are younger and if they do say that they are unable to review the mammogram properly because of dense breath, you could add in the MRI. So that's always a discussion to have. But if um, but I don't think it will substitute the mammograms that you are getting. So I would definitely do the mammograms. Um, at this point, we don't recommend ultrasounds in addition to the mammograms. Um, but each practice is a little bit different. Um, doesn't hurt to do additional tests, but um, we recommend only mammograms um, followed by MRIs in certain cases for every six months. Thank you. Um, I just want to let you all know that we have more programs coming up. Um, there's a triple nail breast cancer a workshop um, on Wednesday, October 18th on triple negative breast cancer in African-American women. And there's another one on Wednesday, October 25th on metastatic triple negative breast cancer. And you'll be getting that information as well. Um, also, I'm going to ask each of our speakers to provide a takeaway from today's program. I'm going to start with, um, with Dr. Barot and then Dr. Rowland, Dr. Hurley, and Ms. Fortune. So um, uh, Dr. Barot, do you want to go first? Just a takeaway, like a sentence, um, just to what you like people to take away from today's program. Yeah, I, I think from the oncologist standpoint, uh, we feel that the relationship between us and um, women who are suffering from breast cancer um, is a very close-knit one. So I encourage you that even after your treatments are done, um, keep that relationship with your oncologist and um, keep the doors open to talk to them about what you're feeling, and we can always help you navigate through those um, feelings um, or symptoms that uh, will happen as you move forward after your treatment. Thank you. And Dr. Rollins? So fear of recurrence is very common. You're not alone if this is something you struggle with. And you may find it helpful to know what are the triggers to that and the things that may increase your own worry. Again, examining where those concerns are coming from. Is it because you found out you had cancer out of the blue and that's made you not trust where things might happen in the future. I think knowing yourself is really important, but I think the most important take-home message is there are tips and techniques and skills you can learn to manage your fear of recurrence. It should not take over your life. You have you know, the potential for a very full and rich future, and it's reclaiming that that's so important. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Dr. Hurley? Um, yes, and I'd like to encourage people that, um, you know, we often think of anxiety as something to uh, conquer or get rid of, um, but rather to think about it as a cue to um, something that needs attention within you, that anxiety needs tending to. Um, if you do find that it is difficult to focus on yourself or difficult to give yourself compassionate attention towards your anxiety, this may indicate um, a need to explore this further with a professional such as a psychotherapist, a social worker, or other trusted mental health provider. Excellent. Thank you. And Ms. Fortune? Um, to echo what everyone is saying, um, fears of reoccurrence is completely normal, and you may not feel fully understood by especially your loved ones. So just note that there are support groups, and there is a lot of like education and resources for people during treatment and post-treatment that they could utilize to help them navigate through those fears and not feel alone. Thank you. I want to thank all of our speakers. Um, you've really been phenomenal. Uh, just a wonderful group of speakers and, and also a great group of participants. You've asked really, we've done this program before, but you've really asked such really great questions today. Um, so I want to thank you all for, for that. I know we didn't get to all of your questions. So I do want to address that as well. Um, so although we did not get to all of your questions, for those of you who asked a question, for those of you who have a question yet to ask, and are thinking of another question, Please, in all of those three areas, please go back to your treating healthcare team and ask 
your questions of your healthcare team. They know you the best. Um, they have all your records. They, of course, know all the details of your particular cancer, triple negative breast cancer, and they are a great resource to each of you. And the healthcare team, remember, consists of your oncologists, of course. Other members of the oncology team include oncology nurses, oncology social workers, dietitian, oncology dietitians, um, oncology physical therapists. It's just a range of people. Um, also psychologists in terms of mind-body techniques. Lots of people on that team that can assist you. And so as you discuss this with your physician, you can um, also meet with the whole team or let, them let the, or let the physician, when you meet with them, let them know that these things are troubling you and you would like to get some help. You also can take advantage of the services of Cancer Care and the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation as well. Those are free services that you can access. Most importantly, we would not want anyone to leave this program feeling you're alone. We want you to now know that you're part of the community of support and we are here to help you. So again, I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.